I feel like leaders try to come across as invincible and there is such power in sharing a personal story and being vulnerable. That's why I love what I do. Hi, and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins, and I am so glad you are here today. Today, my guest is a very, very, very dear friend of mine, Lakita Clear. She is my speaking coach and the founder of the Clear Communication Academy. She helps people all over the world improve their communication and storytelling skills, and she is just amazing. She has been an actress all of her life, and she shares a little bit about her journey of dealing with rejection and failure when she moved out to Hollywood and how she found her way with public speaking and teaching leaders like me how to do a better job of storytelling. So we talk about storytelling and we talk about how leaders need to find those stories within to be able to share them and connect with their employees, with their key stakeholders, and about the Rock My Story conference that she's putting on for women in February. I know you're going to get a lot out of this, especially if you get on stage, but even if you don't get on stage, even if you're just talking to your employees in meetings or on Zooms, you can connect with them through storytelling and you will absolutely pick up a nugget in this amazing podcast. So hang tight and I will be right back with Lakita. All right, everyone. Welcome back. I have the one and only Lakita with me. Lakita, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you. I am excited. I am your fan, so I'm excited to be on your show. Well, I'm your fan too, so we're just going to have so much fun today. <laughs> All right. So you are a communication expert, a communication coach. Can you talk a little bit about what it is you do? What it is I do, I feel like I'm part communication storytelling coach. And then the other part, I'm like a therapist. It is super interesting work. I help people, I guess, shift or transform their communication. So we help people tell stories because they want to create impact. We help people do presentations for pitches. Any type of communication that you want to do to lead to an action, I would say we do that. We help you lead to some sort of action or result that you're looking for. I know those results well because we've worked together for the past several years and you've taken me from being so nervous in front of a camera to feeling so much more confident and being able to deliver the exact message, the exact story that I want to tell. You do have a magical way of giving feedback and helping people really hone in on that message and their presentation skills, like how they are presenting their stage presence and their camera presence. So I owe all my success to you. Well, thank you. I, the first time that we met, I was like, I am going to help this woman do whatever she wants to do. So, you know, you and I are like, we're on this thing. We're on this road. We're on this journey together. Well, it's been a lot of fun. And I'm so excited for people to get to know what you do because you do really help your clients communicate better, tell their stories better. So talk a little bit about who you work with and who are your favorite people to work with as you are teaching the world how to be better storytellers. I work with business leaders and companies. I work with a ton of people who want to be thought leaders. They have a message to share. I think everybody actually has a message to share, but 
some people just don't know they have a message to share or they're like, I don't think it's good enough. The people that I love working with are people who have juicy stories. I would say those are like the first group that I like working with. But then the second group are just people who are open to feedback and getting help. Not everybody, as I'm realizing in my business, thinks they need help. Not everybody wants help, even though they come to you. And those, it's hard to work with people who don't know that they need help. But the people who are like lifelong learners, I love those people. I love all of them across the board. And you talk about working with businesses, working within businesses, working with business leaders. Why do you think storytelling is so important in business? Because I think a lot of people wouldn't equate that. They would think acting or keynote speaking, but really we're constantly trying to connect with people through stories. So talk a little bit about why you focus so much on business leaders and businesses. I actually, it's funny that you say Hollywood because that is where I come from, where people know how to get emotion out of you. They know how to access emotion. But my experience with business is that people are over delivering information and they think that information is king or I'll say queen. And that's why I like working with businesses because I'd like, it's not about the information. And I feel like people are in this sort of transaction of communication. Here's our KPIs. I'm going to deliver them to you. Here's my meeting agenda. I'm going to deliver it to you. And I think that business people, even more than actors and other kind of creatives really need to focus on connecting. I see so many employees and people in businesses, they're not even paying attention in a normal Zoom meeting. How long does it take until people tune out? It's two or three minutes later and people are typing in other chat boxes and windows. So this is why I think leaders in particular really need to work on how they engage and how they tell stories and also vulnerability. Leaders, the, I feel like leaders try to come across as invincible and there is such power in sharing a personal story and being vulnerable. That's why I love what I do. Oh, absolutely. I'll never forget the first time that I shared with my team about my past addiction, substance abuse issues. And I kept it secret for, but my, for several years because I felt a lot of shame. I was like, how could a CEO have all these substance abuse issues and be respected? And I remember when I finally told my team, it was during a team building exercise we were doing. And, you know, I wanted people to get vulnerable and it felt right. It was like, this is the time to tell them. And when I shared that story and people were crying and then the next person who went told, I wasn't going to share this story, but Carrie, since you did, I'm going to tell about this really impactful time in my life. And it just opened up this much, much deeper connection. And that is when I realized the power of storytelling and vulnerability and sharing kind of those flaws about yourself or those things that maybe you would feel like, mm, no, that's not appropriate in the business place. And you connect at such a deeper level. So I completely agree with you, but it's not easy to do that, right? It's not easy to open up and share, especially when you're in a leadership position and you think that people might not respect you if you share something about yourself. Well, I think what you said about it not being easy, it's hard, especially in a leadership position, because I think that in every industry, there's like a little box that you're supposed to be in as a leader. You're supposed to be strong. You're supposed to be powerful. You're supposed to be in charge. And so you feel like all the time you have to fit into that box. And unfortunately, we don't put vulnerability or sharing personal stories in that box. It's something that you don't do. And I think if we allowed people to show more sides of 
who they are and their personality and also show the vulnerability. And if we kind of normalize this idea that being a leader doesn't equate to you're always in charge or you know everything or that you don't have to show vulnerability. If we can normalize that, I think more people would start feeling comfortable to share and to be vulnerable. And so how do you start that process? Like me, I'm a pretty open person. I'm a very open person. I've learned to be more open, but not everybody's like that. So how do you coach people who are like, eh, um, I'm not really comfortable getting vulnerable with my team, especially through telling a personal story? I would actually say that most leaders that I work with are not comfortable. You are a beautiful exception. I think most are not. They're like, whoa, wait a minute. So one of the things that, that I think is important is not to push people, to meet people where they are. For example, sometimes you just share a very tiny example. It doesn't mean you, you're going to share the deepest, darkest secret that you've ever had. If you can just start with your team by sharing a personal example, maybe even it's a reason why you like the job or why you started your company. It may be something very, very small, and then you increase the level of stories or how deep you go. It's a process. And I think the worst thing that you can do if you don't feel comfortable is to try to necessarily just jump in or dive in head first. I, I would say take baby steps and the more comfortable you feel, then it comes across as more authentic too when you're telling this story. Definitely. I share the same thing with my team, my CFO. I want him to tell stories with the numbers and he just wants to get up there and just boom, boom, boom. This is the financial performance. But nobody cares about that. What does it mean? What does it mean to me? Why do we have these numbers? Why do I care about them? And so I have to work with him on that storytelling and I was like, it doesn't have to be about you, although you could say how you feel about this and people would listen a little bit more. And it's really hard, especially for that super analytical type to say, OK, how am I going to be vulnerable? How am I going to share this story and do it in a way that makes people care when it's just way easier just to be cut and dried? But I tell them, who cares? Who cares if you're cut and dry if nobody's following you because they're not connecting with you? And, and so it's been an interesting process to help him learn how to tell stories with numbers and to show a little bit more of his amazing personality that he has rather than just this cut and dry presentation that isn't very compelling. One tip that I would give that I think is a lot easier to start with is to think about a person, a client, or a person that has made an impact in your life. I would say across the board, most of the time people can think of that person. So if you think of your business and you're like, wow, this one client made an impact in my life and you can start by, by saying how, how did they make an impact in your life? Did you get an awesome client testimonial? Was there someone as a leader who you feel like you helped to develop? And you can tell us a very small story about that. That's kind of an easy way to jump into storytelling and to try to connect emotionally a little bit. So that's great advice. What about being in front of a camera? As you know, that was something that I was very uncomfortable with when we first started working together. And now I have no fear of it anymore. Why is it so hard to get in front of a camera and talk? <laughs> well, you be yourself. It's not, it is not natural. If we think about this, this idea of being in front of the camera, all of a sudden you're there and it's like action and you're staring into the lens. When I first moved to Hollywood, I'm from Chicago. And when I first moved to Hollywood, I was awful on camera. I took an on-camera class and I was absolutely terrified. I was wondering what I should do with my hands. I think the first thing that you need to think about is to humanize the camera. I remember one of the things that they told me back then was like, 
you're not just looking at a camera. If you have to look at the camera, maybe it's your best friend, maybe it's your mother. It, can you actually make that camera a person? Because then it feels like you're talking to someone versus just infomercial style. Nothing against infomercials if you do infomercials, but you know, just looking there and like, hey, I'm on camera. Just talking to an actual person is another thing. I also think it's important to practice. It's not overnight. For a big part of my career, I felt uncomfortable and I was actually acting on camera and getting work and I still felt uncomfortable. But I think you need to do it more. Record yourself, look back at yourself, even though that's not always fun in the beginning to watch yourself. But I would suggest looking back and deciding and trying to figure out how you can improve. Yeah, I agree. Doing all of my podcasts and making all the little videos that I did when I was starting to build my brand and get ready for my book launch and all of these things, I was like, that helped so much. Yeah. And you think that it's not the same and it isn't the same having your you know, webcam versus an actual camera that's filming you speak. But you're right. That practice really does help you get more comfortable, feeling more natural and just having that conversation. It does help when you are on Zoom. I mean, even if you're just recording a video of yourself to look at yourself, I think that does kind of humanize it a little bit more than just a camera that is filming you from stage. But I think that's really good advice. I know my speaking has improved so much because of all of the practice I have done just by myself at home, sitting in front of my camera. Sitting in front of the camera and talking. The other thing I think is, can we stop expecting perfection? Seriously, we are expecting this perfection that doesn't exist. Then we get in front of the camera and we're like, oh no, I didn't do it. Stop, go back. How do I look? What is my hair? Is this hair in place? That doesn't exist. What exists is us just trying to connect and share a message. So thinking less about the perfection and more about how you can share with other people and share your message. I love that. I know you just posted something on social media that said, no one knows what speech you're going to give. So if you forget a line, it's not that big of a deal. And I love that because I know that's how I felt when I first was recording things in front of cameras. And it was mostly like messages to customers. We even had like the teleprompter with a little script as I was getting started. And what I realized is just throw that all out the window. Like people want to see my personality and have it be real, not you have this like perfectly scripted speech that you're giving to people. And so I love that you just posted that because you're right. Nobody knows what you're going to say, but you, and if you mess up, like who cares? Because they have no idea. It's about impact. That's the other thing that you told me. It's not about perfection. It's about impact. And that's really an important thing for people to remember when they are up in front of people speaking. Yeah. I, I remember, I remember when I told you that because I, I was speaking to yeah. you about your speeches and the fact that you are always making an impact and people are speaking about how much you are changing their lives. What do the words matter if you can get that type of reaction from the audience? But it's not easy. That's also still a work in progress. But I think it all goes back to this idea of perfection. But yeah, I was a lot of people have been talking to me about this idea of should I memorize my speech? Should I not? And then they're nervous if they don't have every word. So it kind of sparked that post for me. And to say, look, stop. Yeah. Nobody else knows. And nobody else really knows if you're nervous either. It's only when you say, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, wait a minute. I messed up. It's like, I didn't know you messed up until you told me or you showed me with your body language that you messed up. I agree. I used to think that same thing. I used to write out every one of my speeches word for word. 
and try to memorize it. And I think that's part of the process that you go through as you get better at speaking. I certainly know that that helped me write better speeches, but I was so worried about delivering it perfectly that I think I lost the importance of impact and the storytelling. Now, I never even write a speech. I just know I'm going to use these stories and throw in a few statistics that help support it and just go up there and be myself. But I would never have been able to get to that point if I wouldn't have started with that process of writing my speeches and trying to memorize them and just getting more comfortable with the message that I'm trying to convey. Is that a pretty typical process that people go through? I I think the best case scenario is always to start writing. And that can be one time or that can be 50 times. But I think for you and for everybody, what it teaches you is how to structure something which I think is very important. But once you learn and once you've written an entire speech, which yes, I would say everybody should at least once write word for word your speech. That way you know your beginning, your middle, your end. After that, it's something that you can do naturally. You don't need to do that. So after you have done that several times, now you're like, I have my stories. You understand intuitively what a beginning, middle, and end. You understand how to set up your story. So you don't need that. But I think part of the process is first, understanding the structure, and then also being able to freestyle. It's kind of like a musician, a a great trained musician can freestyle in such an amazing way because you know the rules, so to speak. So I would say that everybody should do that in the beginning, but not everybody needs to memorize. I always say, should you memorize or should you not memorize? That depends on who you are. If you're someone who's great at memorizing, by all means, memorize. If you're able to memorize and then just get up there and flow and be present. If you're someone who can't do that, which is most people, then they're so worried about their words, then maybe you don't memorize. Maybe you just create an outline for yourself, a speaking outline that you can then speak from. And then eventually maybe you just write down some bullet points. It's whatever works for you to feel comfortable and and be authentic, really. I agree. What really helps me is having slides that convey that story and also helps me, this is what I'm going to talk about next. How do people use a slide deck to really have a point hit home, but also to help them remember where they are in their speech? I I think that's a great way. I, I think slide decks are also such a great cheat because for one, if you have a bullet point, then you know what you're going to speak about. So I I think it really helps if you either have, if you have a bullet point, it helps with the flow. Maybe you even have a picture that jogs your memory to say, okay, this is what I need to speak about. I think it's a brilliant idea if you can use that. If you don't necessarily have a slide deck or if you can't use a slide deck, you can do something similar before by just placing an outline. And it's more of the journey. It's not about the words. It's not about the talking points. It's where were you at in the beginning of your journey? Maybe that's one sentence. Then where did you go from there? What was the transition? So you can do something similar with an outline, but slides are amazing for that. As long as you don't put too many things on the slides, I have like just a bone to pick with those busy, busy slides. And I'm like, I can read. I don't need you to read the slide to me. So a little bit on your slide can help to guide you and also be a nice visual for people during your presentation. But you also don't want to have too many slides too. I remember my first slide deck that I put together with you. You're like, why do you have so many slides? Because I was like, because then I remember every single point of my speech. (laughs) 
but it can be overwhelming as well. So it's sometimes less is more, right? It's about really how do you really hit a point home that you want to make with that slide deck while also jogging your memory. But having too many slides, then people are paying attention to the slideshow than they rather than to you on stage speaking. Totally. It's like it overshadowed you. When you look at the news, there, there might be like a headline and then the reporter is the one telling you about it. It's not that all of it's yeah. written down. And you need to think of it like that. But always, I think less is more. Even in presentations in general, I feel like most of us, and I and myself included, at some point have been guilty of putting way too much in a presentation because we think we're giving right. value. And we're like, no, we want to tell them this and that. And we just want to give so much. And in trying to give so much, you end up giving nothing because people are overwhelmed and they cannot remember. If you have one, two, or three key concepts that you want to give people, and then you wrap it up with stories or statistics, and you are present and you are dynamic, that is more than enough. So you talked about something like, what do I do with my hands? How do you coach people through that stage presence and being comfortable on stage when they don't maybe necessarily know what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to walk around? Am I supposed to hold still? Am I supposed to keep my hands down? Am I supposed to talk with my hands? How do you advise people if they're feeling uncomfortable in their body? I think everybody feels uncomfortable in their body to a certain extent. One of the things yeah. that I think about is I help people to feel more comfortable just with their body language. And I'm talking about even the difference of open body language versus closed body language or people doing these types of things. So we work both on body language and then also on gestures. And trying to use a little bit of what you do naturally. So I'm, I'm not going to tell people where to gesture and how and on what line because that is not real. It's not authentic. I am going to help you figure out how to get comfortable, what types of gestures you can use. And when you feel comfortable to use them and when they're motivated by something, I think movement should always be motivated. So if you are motivated to walk to one side because you are speaking to a different side of the audience or you're motivated because of the big transition in your story versus just this nervous pacing back and forth. So I, I try to talk to people about motivated movement, but I find that the more comfortable people become, the more natural the gestures come without having to tell people what to do. It's the nervousness comes because we're not comfortable and most of the time with business leaders and corporate people, you just don't practice. An actor practices, a reporter practices, all of these people practice. But what happens in the business world is people are so focused on what they're going to say that they don't practice. How many times do you actually stand up and practice? That's important. Absolutely. I don't practice days before me. Of course, now I'm to the point where I know my stories and I know my speeches, but I always, always, always spend that day before. Like I try to go through it like four or five times, maybe even six, like that evening before. And if I can get a couple practices in before I give it, even if I have to get up really early to do it, because it just like imprints there, you have to go through it several times to make sure that I'm comfortable with those transitions. And I don't have to worry about being awkward and weird because I know what I'm going to say. I don't know if that's how other people practice, but that's how I practice. <laughs> like the day before, I was like, okay, I'm going to give it like six times and then I'm ready. <laughs> I am, to, I'm with you. I actually love practice. I came from theater before Hollywood. In theater, right. you practice to death. I mean, it's to the point where you're like, please, no more, because you're everyday practicing. But I, I recently gave a keynote 
And I, I will never forget this. It was probably like three or four months ago. And one of the, the guys who was producing the show said to me, did you just run your entire speech? And I was like, yeah, because a lot of people come in and they do their tech rehearsal and they just they're like, oh, I just need five minutes. I literally ran 45 minutes on that stage by myself. Why? Because I wanted to practice on that stage. And that's what happens. It's yeah. like suddenly in an unfamiliar environment and you're like, no, I got this. Maybe you do. And then all of a sudden you get up there. You don't know how that stage feels. So sometimes it's also about practicing in the actual space. And I do that now. Like, I'm not afraid to admit I will practice. Like, I like practicing and I like working on things and figuring out how I can improve. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm with you. I always wish I had more time, but usually I'm like, flying from doing something like with Stone Age. And then I was like, oh, I got to take care of Jack. And then, okay, I'm going to go give this speech. So it's like, okay, I'm going to practice six times in the next that's a 12 lot. hours. That's, to that's, the good, that's, that's more than a lot of people practice. Some people are like, yeah, I ran it of five minutes in the car. So if you actually practice what you were going to say from beginning to end, I think that's pretty good. Oh, yeah. At least five times before I go on stage in that 24-hour period, maybe even shorter, because I want to deliver, right? I want to make sure that I'm going to deliver what the audience is expecting from me. And, and we, all, we, we all know what happens sometimes when you don't practice. Like We've all been yeah. there at some point where we're like, oh, my goodness, I did not show up in the way that I wanted to show up in. So once you've had that experience, you definitely practice. Yes. Yeah, exactly. We're not going to let that happen again. <laughs> and if you've had it, come on here. I'm like, yep, me. <laughs> yeah, for us. yes, for sure. Now you are putting on a storytelling conference for women here in February. So can you talk a little bit about Rock My Story and what you're hoping to achieve with it? I, I geek out anything storytelling. I was just trying to figure out what I can do with Rock My Story to try to bring this power of storytelling. So for me, Rock My Story, it's it's not just about coming to a training. It is two days of intense, immersive experience to help you figure out how to tell more impactful stories, how to tell your story, and also how to present the best version of yourself. And I, I made it for women because so many times I feel that women in particular, awesome, amazing, powerful women are unsure of how to present themselves. They're unsure of how to tell their story. They're unsure of if they should tell their story or, or this is one I get a lot. I don't know if anybody wants to hear my story. They're deciding that others won't find their material interesting or good. So this is about you coming to take part in an experience. So we have worked hard. It is an exclusive experience where you're going to get hands-on training. And there are some Awesome women who are going to be there and you will be speaking. So they will get yes. to, they will get to, to hear your story and hear you speaking. And I just want people to understand what storytelling can do for them because it sounds nice on paper until you see it happen to someone else. Like I've seen it happen for you. I've seen people build incredible businesses with great brand stories. It truly is remarkable the power of storytelling in my life. That's for, that's for another podcast. I could, it brings me to tears sometimes just thinking of all the stuff that's transpired because of storytelling. 
I agree with you completely. I feel the same exact way. I mean, I have a book that's filled with stories. <laughs> Storytelling is so important. And I think this is such an important message to get out there. If you want to connect with people, you have to understand how to tell a story that connects. And so I'm so excited to be joining you on this and to learn more from you and from all the other amazing women who are going to be there. So when is it? Where is it? How can people find out about it? It is February 22nd and 23rd in Los Angeles. So if you are in a freezing place in February, then you absolutely want to come also to, to enjoy some great weather. It's going to be at the Skirball Center, which is an amazing venue. And the website is rockmystory.com. I'm excited. Fantastic. I'll include all that in the show notes. All right. So real quick, I want to just talk a little bit more about you because you've talked about being an actor and then now you are a communications expert. Can you share a little bit of your journey? Did you always know that you wanted to act and how did that transition into what you're doing now? I, I think it was maybe, I, I don't want to say failure because there's no failures, but I feel like I got here. My biggest dis first disappointment in my life was how I got here. When I was in college, I was, I'm from Chicago and I got an agent. You get an agent because you think you're going to be famous, especially when you're like 18, 19. I thought I was going to be like Meryl Streep. I get this agent. I'm so excited. And the first thing the agent starts doing is getting me corporate speaking gigs. And I'm like, what? At the time, I was so embarrassed, Carrie. I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, this is not real acting. And I didn't know at that time this is what I would be doing, but that was the first disappointment in my life. And then from there, I started doing more and more kind of corporate speaking gigs. At the time, there was also industrials. You remember those? Where companies would also do industrial films and training films. I was the voice and I was a person in a lot of those. And then I actually did move to Hollywood. So all is not lost. I did move to Hollywood and I did also work as an actress, but I feel like I, there was something in Hollywood that I connected with storytelling and all of that, but I was working with corporates. I was always working with corporates and I knew there was something that Hollywood had that the corporate people needed. So I always, even when I was working in Hollywood as an actress and I produce, I always knew there was something that if only corporate could understand a little bit of what Hollywood understood, then they could make a bigger difference. So I, I always kind of understood that. And then, of course, I got knocked around in Hollywood a bit. That is, you want to talk about brutal? You want to talk about, I mean, nights where I was just like, I was bouncing from who am I? What should I do? Changing up how I look just to try to, be somebody or fit in in some sort of way. So that's the other story that I learned. And when I started realizing who I was and what I wanted to really bring, that's when my career took off. Really, it did. Because I was like, oh, I'll go here. No, no, no. Maybe this is what they want. And I was constantly bouncing around trying to figure out what Hollywood wanted when only to realize that the corporate world was where I was really making a big difference. I love that. It's such a great example of following your dream and not going out, going exactly the way that you want it to, but finding such fulfillment through not finding that success that you were looking for and pivoting, even when maybe you didn't want it, right? I know you said that, you know, you were embarrassed doing some of these corporate gigs, but look at you now. You're known around the world. I, I don't even know where you are right now. Are you in Europe somewhere? Well, right? I mean, uh, you travel the world. Yes, I, I travel, travel the world. world. Like this is, it's so wild because yeah, that was me. It's like the things that we don't necessarily want to do, 
But then if I wouldn't have had that yeah. experience, if I wouldn't have actually gone to work in Hollywood, that's what taught me the most about storytelling. I was like learning all the ins and outs. How do you write a story? How do you structure a story? But yeah, in the beginning, it wasn't like that. I was like Meryl Streep, Angela Bassett. Those were my two gals. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be yeah. like you. And then I realized like somewhere along the lines, there's no accidents. So there are no accidents. Everything that I did I was meant to be a part of this journey. I now I know you don't think that at the time you're like, oh, but now I realize that everything perfectly aligned. I love that. I love it. It's such a great, it's such a great success story, especially coming out of what you said, not really a failure, but not expecting what you wanted to be. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And it kind of fits in with what this podcast is, this whole idea of reflecting forward. That's pretty much what you did, right? It was, okay, how do I take all of this stuff that I've been training for? Because you started acting when you were a little girl, right? I was, like, I was a little girl when I started acting. Yeah. Yeah. And then look at what you've created now. So it fits perfectly with the theme of this podcast. <laughs> it makes me emotional. If only we could all think or learn those lessons earlier in life. You learn them when you learn them. But I think there's so many things that we all have. And that's one of the things that I think people get wrong about public speaking. We don't bring enough of ourselves. We hide some of those qualities that truly make us remarkable and truly allow us to connect with our audience. And the day we stop hiding some of those qualities, that's the day where things explode. You connect with people, your team explodes, all of those things. And if we could just figure those yep. out a little bit earlier, it, it would be great. I love that. I love that. All right. So if people want, obviously, rockmystory.com to learn more about the conference, if they want to find you, how can they connect with you? Connect with me on LinkedIn would be great. Lakita Clear. There's not a lot of Lakitas, so I'm sure you'll find me. <laughs> and Carrie and I are friends on LinkedIn, but I love in general connecting with people. So if you connect and want to see some of the content that I put out, you can also go to our website, clearcommunicationacademy.com. We'd love to hear from you there as well. Perfect. I will include all those in the show notes. All right, Lakita, thank you so much for taking time out of your Europe trip to come on the show today. I so appreciate it. And I can't wait to see you in February. I'm excited to see you in February. And I'm excited to hear what you are going to be cooking up for the audience. I've watched this entire journey of yours. So I'm personally so excited. I'm just like, what do I want them to hear? Because I know a lot of these goodies. And so I'm thinking about what we want to share. So you know all my stories. <laughs> I can't figure out. I'm like, wait, which one? I need more time. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. And I hope you have a great trip. And I'm sure that people are going to find this incredibly helpful. So thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Hang tight, everybody. I'll be right back. All right, everyone, I'm back. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Lakita. She is so amazing. If you ever need a coach to help you prepare for a speech or get ready for uh, an important interview or to work with your team, she's amazing. I absolutely think the world of her and she has helped me come so far. And uh, I highly, highly, highly recommend working with her. 
All right. With that, I will leave you to your day. I hope it's a fantastic one. If you like this podcast, please help by sharing it with your friends, sharing it on social media, write a review on iTunes, subscribe to it on any of the major podcast platforms. It helps with the algorithms and it gets amazing stories and amazing people like this in front of so many more. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. 